Hallelujah. We want to welcome all of you and all our viewers from around the world and all our churches that are watching and even here in Pimville, we welcome you. Today, I'm going to be preaching as an introduction to our word explosion, which is here coming this Thursday. You're going to hear powerful messages from myself, Pastor Ray McCauley, uh, Bishop Chalo Kachunga, and Apostle Colin Lomo. And as you've heard, we start Thursday night. Friday is the whole day. Uh, be here from 10 until 9 o'clock at night. And then on Saturday, which we're building up, we're going to have a powerful time from 10 o'clock until 1 o'clock so that you can go back home early. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 is my main text. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. Tell your neighbor again, an open door. Tell your neighbor, I see an open door coming in your life. Now concerning the collection for the saints as I directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also. You can keep going now. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper so that no collection may be made when I come. When I arrive, whoever you may approve, I will send them with letters to carry your gift to Jerusalem. And if it is fitting for me to go also, they will go with me. Keep going. But I will come to you after I go through Macedonia, for I am going through Macedonia. So here's the point. Paul is talking to the church, uh, uh, and he is saying to them, the people in Macedonia and the area where he is right now, he really wants to come and preach to them. He's telling them that, you know, the church in Jerusalem is going through a very difficult time right now, and I'm collecting offerings to take it to them. And, and I also want to come to you in Macedonia to preach to you. But then he says something in the next verse, verse 6. He says, and perhaps I will stay with you and even spend the winter so that you may send me on my way wherever I may go. Keep going. For I do not wish to see you now just in passing, for I hope to remain with you for some time if the Lord permits. But then he says in verse 8, but I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost. Now, Paul is saying, I want to come to Macedonia. I want to go to this other area, but it looks like I'm going to have to change my plans and go to Ephesus. And, and the reason he's changing his plans is there in verse 9. He says, for a wide door for effective service has been opened to me and there are many adversaries. Paul is saying, I see there's an opportunity that God has opened in Ephesus. So when I see God present an opportunity, I will change my plan. Paul is saying, I'm aware that this opportunity, it's something orchestrated by God. Even if not in my planning, I was going to go here and there and there, but as I, as, I, as I realize this opportunity in Ephesus, the way it has come, I'm aware it is God who made that opportunity available. And for that reason, I'm changing all my plans because I see a white door. Somebody say a white door. Say it again, a white door. He says, I see a white door, not just for service, but for effective service. Somebody say effective service. You see, when God opens opportunity for you, it will be effective service. I found that when God gives you opportunity, there's a lot more that can happen in a God opportunity than in something that you have orchestrated yourself. He says, I see a white door for effective service that has opened to me and there are many adversaries. Look at it in the King James Bible. 
In the King James Bible, I like it. He says for, it's not just a door, but a great door. Somebody say a great door. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, the Lord has opened a great door for you. For a great door. I don't know how many of you realize, Pastor Alan, when I went to Cameroon, uh, Pastor Moses, when I came over to Cameroon, you may not know this. You remember the first conference we had was in Buya, before we went to Limbe, at the university in Buya. You may not know this. Do you know I wasn't supposed to be on that trip? You didn't know, ne? You're only hearing it uh, from 1994 until 1916. Now you're hearing it now. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to go to Cameroon, but what happened was, uh, 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 hey, what I have to remember? Can I keep on? Pastor, uh, no, it wasn't Peter Pretorius. It was Pastor Tim Salmon and the former uh, uh, Peter Regal, who was the administrator then. And the other one who was a journalist, what's his name? Who was a journalist at Rema? Uh, you can see Richard 50 Kaufella. What's the name? Arasa Hopolaka Speed. Happy birthday. Welcome to the land. What's That other one. So what happened was there was a team from Rema that was supposed to go to Cameroon and preach. I didn't know they were invited by Papa Billy, you know. And so one of them couldn't make it. So they phoned me to say, uh, look, will you go to Cameroon? And I said, yes, without thinking. I said, yeah, of course. They said, will you go, will you go tomorrow? <laughs> I had to get a visa, express visa, express everything. And I went to Cameroon. I wasn't on the program to preach in Cameroon. I wasn't scheduled. When I got there, my name was not on the program. So... Uh, Pastor uh, 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 Tim Salmon preached, and the other people preached, and the Cameroonians preached, and everything. And then, just by the way, on the last day of the conference, they gave me a small opportunity <laughs> just to preach. And I remember I stood up and I preached on curses and cures. I don't know if you remember that. I preached on curses and cures. That, that was just the only service I did. And then after the, I came back home, and the following year they went back to Cameroon. I didn't go. They went and I didn't go. But for three years not going to Cameroon, I kept receiving letters from Cameroonian people about the message that I had preached once. Are you not hearing what I'm saying? I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about the opportunity that God gives you, even if it's a small one. And then on the fourth year, Papa Billy then, said, I must come. And, and you know, we spoke through Rema because Tim Salmon stopped going, Pastor Tim Salmon. They said, no, Moses should go. Then I started going to Cameroon, Bazalan. And when I remember, on the fourth year, I went, I went, you went, I went with him first. And I remember preaching and the power of God coming on me and the power of God moving so powerfully. And I didn't know that Cameroonian people liked my preaching because the Soweto people didn't like my preaching at all. <laughs> I tell you. I tell you. And I just kept, and then I kept going. Uh, you may have forgotten, uh, Pastor Moses, I went to Cameroon for almost 10 to 15 years. Every year I went. When we went to Cameroon, they didn't have many charismatic churches, he will tell you. We used to get there on Friday. You remember, ne? And then on, then on Saturday, we would be there. Then on Sunday afternoon, they would send us to the churches. 
And I want you many Cameroonian churches. I mean, some of the churches are five people there, ten people, twenty people preaching in Cameroon. And in the Sunday afternoon, you remember, we used to do the Jesus March. You remember that? Hold placards and walk around. And then on Monday, the conference would start now at Limbe in the Botanical Gardens. Yeah. And we preached there. And that was an open door. I see God opening doors for you. You see, Labata, I said, I see God opening doors for you. Can I tell you the truth, Barcelona? Can I tell you the truth? It was the nation like Cameroon and there's many nations in the world that I thank, I thank them for making a preacher out of me. Because you see, you know, in Soweto people went so crazy with my preaching, like some of you. <clears throat> they were not crazy at all. But when I went to Cameroon, people loved the preaching. They would listen and we would start the service. Kana, what time did you start? Six o'clock in the morning. Was it? There was a six o'clock service, eight o'clock service? Six o'clock service, ne? and we preach the whole day until 10 o'clock at night. And people don't leave. No, people don't do zing zong. And, and it's not even in a building, it's outside. We had workshops under trees. Murimachole will tell you, wife will tell you. I went with them, I took many people. I even went to Muruti Fani Koya, he's watching us from uh, wherever. Orange Farm. I went with Muruti Fani to come and I took so many people. I didn't know that opportunity made me realize see some of you you don't realize what god has deposited in your life because the people who are used to you do not see any value in what god has placed in you may god open doors for you for you to see what you carry can i hear a shout in this house you know bishop dark what mills is i love what he says he's one of those people he says it he says you know you must learn to travel some of you you are too contained you are too localized. Yeah, you need to learn to travel. Some of you guys, you may find a lady somewhere else. Ladies, come on, you may find a guy somewhere else. Uh, some of you business people, your business may work better across the border. Some of you in university, you can go. You know, some of you, you are sitting here unemployed. There's opportunities somewhere. I see God opening doors for you in the name of Jesus. I said, I see God opening doors for you. Doors for you. If, if you don't believe it, don't worry. But I see somebody, 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 somebody. Yeah. Paul says, I realize that God has opened a door for me. And this is a door. Look what he says. He says, it's a great door. Say it again, a great door. He says, not only is it a great door, but it's an effectual door. Somebody say, an effectual door. In other words, it's a door for effectiveness. God can accelerate things for you. When you, when you, when you, when you seize a God opportunity, it will, it will achieve in a short time much more than what you could have achieved by yourself. And not only that, that opportunity will even buy back lost time for you. Ota overtake about to who started before you. I see you overtaking somebody because of the open door. Yeah. Effective work. Effective work. I tell you the anointing of God is in this house and all over the place. You know what anointing is? Is the anointing for open doors and God giving you open opportunities. Now it's interesting that Paul describes this as an open door and he uses the analogy of a door. How prophetic. Why is he calling it a door? Well, I'll tell you why. Because a door, there are so many interesting things about doors. Doors are moving structures that are used to block off and allow access to an entrance 
to or within an enclosed space, such as a building. If, 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 if the door is not open to you to get into your building, you can't get in. If the door is open, it's closed for you to get into your car, you can't get in. In some places, they build a fence around a building or a property, and you have to go through the gate. I mean, these days we have gated communities where people stay in an estate. If you go to the gate, they don't care what car you're driving, how you look. If you don't have the access there, you can only look from afar and admire from afar. Some of you have been looking from afar and admiring from afar, but I want to prophesy to you that God's going to open the gate for you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So a door gives you access. There are certain things you can see them from afar. But it, it looks like you can't just get there. You know it's your destiny. You know it's your portion. You know it's what God wants for you. But somehow you can't just get there. You see other people walking around in the blessing, walking around in the estate. You are seeing from afar, admiring from afar. But I'm saying from today, the day of admiring from afar is over with. God is opening a door for you in the name of Jesus. So when God opens doors and opens opportunities, you just walk through the door. Yeah. Sometimes you realize you want to do stuff. You have all the plans. You have everything. All things being equal, you, things should be working better for you. When we tell the truth, when you analyze it and you look at your plan A and your plan B, your short-term plan, medium plan, long-term plan, when you look at the, your, your, your feasibility study, you know what I mean? It should be working. It's not working. Because the door is closed. And many people are not spiritual enough to realize that, you know, it's not just about you, as, uh, 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 what's the term that I'm looking at, asserting yourself. There has to be a God factor in everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, some of us, we think all our plans will just work. And you wonder, everything is right from a mental standpoint and a logical standpoint and a planning standpoint and a consultant standpoint and an everybody standpoint after our participatory consultant. But it's not working. It's not working. I mean, I'm being honest with you, but some people, when I look at them, I don't know, it's just, I'm now understanding. It doesn't make sense why things are not working for them. Tell the truth. Some guy who's sitting next to you, he's not married now. You don't understand why the guy is not married. <laughs> And it's not that he doesn't want to get married. His application is turned down always. I see your application being accepted in Jesus' name next time. <laughs> you see, when a door is open, it admits people. It admits animals, even ventilation. Right now, you know, we've only opened the back doors, but, you know, in summertime, we open all the doors so that air can come in and out. But when we close the doors, then air doesn't come in here. See, the doors is used to control the physical atmosphere within a space. We close the doors to keep the, if you have air conditioning, they say close the doors, you know, close the windows of the car to contain. But doors also are used to screen areas of buildings. And they put a big sign there saying, only authorized entry allowed. Yeah. And I like the part that says, uh, 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 and, 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 then, and then it says, uh, it says, and trespassers will be persecuted. <laughs> yeah. 
But Paul says with this door, it's God who has opened it. Because behind the closed door lies a mystery. <laughs> because a door separates two distinctive areas. They are the one the other side of the door enjoying what's on the other side of the door. They are the other ones who are on the other side of the door that's closed off wondering and thinking about what should be going on on the other side of the door. Your days of being screened off are over with in Jesus' name. Doors are a barrier. They are a boundary that needs to be negotiated. The mysterious is, be, is, is, is hidden from sight by the closed door and some sort of action must be taken. Either you must knock, either a bouncer must open for you, either you must have an, an access code, either you must be given a ticket, either you must say the right words, or you must belong to a club or a group. And house us tell him Tanasekaya, you are not allowed. But this particular door, it's God who has opened it. You don't need a password. You don't need a key. You don't need a ticket. You don't need a code. You don't need to bribe your way. Even that bouncer can never stop you because God has opened the door for you. You know why? Because God is a door opener. And Paul is saying, because I understand that God is a door opener. When he opens the door, I change all my plans and I go through the door. When he opens the door, I don't neglect what God's doing. I don't walk past all the doors that God is opening and try to do it my way. No, no, no. If I was going this way, I will cancel my plans. I will cancel my engagement. I'll tell them I'm not going and turn around and go through the open door. Can I hear an amen? In Revelations 3.8, God says to the church, I know thy works. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before you an open door. That's what God is saying to somebody. I said that's what God is saying to somebody in this place. Somebody who's watching, behold, God says, behold, I have set before you an open door. I love the next part. He says, and no man can shut. I've set before you an open door. But the question is, how do I recognize when God has opened the door? Because it's not every door that's God's door. Not every open door is God's opportunity. Yeah. There are certain things when they present themselves, you don't need to take advantage of them. I mean, yeah, yeah, just happens. If you're walking behind somebody, you know, and, and you're walking behind them at the Maponya Mall, huh? Right? And you just went to pick and pay to buy something and you ran short of money, or short like 500, uh, because you, you know, somehow you didn't realize the price of the And here you're walking behind somebody, and then their purse falls falls to the ground. And the person doesn't realize that their purse has fallen to the ground, so they keep walking, and so you see an open door. You pick up the purse and open, and exactly the amount that you have been praying about, 500 rands is in the wallet. 
May I humbly suggest that open door doesn't come from God at all. Some doors are not an opportunity from God. Oh, better still, here you are, you know, you, you, you are at the till. You, you, you thought you were going to have a, your list of grocery, and so you ran short, and there are several items that you couldn't buy because you ran short of money. So you bought enough, and the, the person at the till is supposed to give you back change. At least you, you, at least you have a little bit of change. And then they give you a lot more change. Instead of cal- calculating it in the tens, they calculate it in the hundreds. And then I'll share about one or two. How many of you are sitting next to somebody who's trying to look innocent? How many of you are sitting next to somebody who's trying to look like they don't know who Kuluman and the Lord Bishop? Look at them and say, hey, Trada, you know what he's talking about. You looked at the money, you looked at the money, <laughs> you looked at the money, and, 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 and then you said, God has opened the door. There are certain doors that don't come from God, but there are certain doors that it's God who orchestrates. How will I know? Number one, first question, when you see an opportunity, an open door, first question you must ask yourself is, does this line up with God's word? God's not going to give you an opportunity to rob a bank. Huh? Or that purse. And may I prophesy, if you pick up a cell phone here in the service, please take it back to the lost and found. And even the people at the information desk announce that you found it as well. The second question you ask is that, is this something that I've been praying about? Because you see, sometimes we pray about things and we forget about them. And then years later, God opens an opportunity in that area. Have I been praying about this thing? That question you want to ask yourself is, is there the witness of the Holy Spirit that I should be doing this? When I went to Cameroon, I was not meant to be there, but when they spoke to me, I just sensed in my heart I should go. I didn't know that going to Cameroon is going to turn my life around. I didn't know. Because when you go to one place, Bazalana, you know, just one place can, can achieve 10 things in one trip. I don't know how to explain that. You, you can have where God, what we call where God maximizes the moment. Yeah. You move into what we call an incremental anointing. It's almost like when you go and plow or if you are given cattle, you know, you and someone else, when their cattle get calves, his gets one, yours gets two. Same everything. Huh? Same everything, same time, same time spent. Same cattle, same food, same everything. You get two, he gets one, and then it gets sick and dies. Marawena, you got two. And then next time, it gets even two. So at the end of it, ten years later, you have a hundred, they have one. See, most people don't realize, you see, this is what I'm saying. See, it's not just about our nice planning. You need to be aware and sensitive to the opportunities God gives. You need to keep your eyes open because wherever God is, there is far more that happens when God is in something. Yes. Yes. That's why Pharaoh was aware. Prince of Pharaoh was aware about Joseph. Even if Joseph was a prisoner, he saw that everything that this man did prospered. 
Some people don't see. This is why this guy gets a Bosho like the other Siboshwas. But this Sibosha, it's a Even if he's a prisoner, whatever he touches prospers. Even if he's a prisoner. Because you see, when the blessing of God in you, it is something that people cannot describe. You, 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 you don't know how to call it. Because you can be in the same place with everybody, exposed to the same thing, but you will get more out of it than other people. Not because you bribed, not because you lied, not because you cheated, but because the blessing of God. I speak the blessing of God and pronounce the blessing of God upon your life. Yeah. Bishop Doug was talking to me uh, through uh, uh, SMS now. He is in Brazil. He went to preach there and he was also being received in the World Pentecostal Movement. And then he sent a picture of Reinhard Bonke. And he said, he's been discussing with Reinhard Bonke about preaching and saying, then he said, hey, Reinhard Bonke has been telling me some interesting things. So I'm thinking, see, he went to Brazil to go and just receive the, the, the recognition, whatever it was, you know, but they're accepting him to be part of the World Pentecostal Movement. But that's just not, that's not the only thing that happens. Why is it that on the same trip, when he's going there, it coincidentally, eh? by coincidence, he meets somebody that he regards as a spiritual father whose anointing he desires, and he gets to sit with that person side by side. Now, you may go to Brazil and never get to meet Reinhard Bonke. Same trip. When I went to the U.S. now, you saw me preaching at Crenshaw Christian Center. I don't know if you know, I wasn't meant to preach at the church. I wasn't scheduled to preach. I mean, I was just going to go and see Dr. Price and ask him to come to South Africa once a year because I want to organize a conference for him, a separate conference. I want him to come to Johannesburg. I'm going to ask him to come to Johannesburg, Cape Town, Devon, and I'd love to take him to some of the rural places because he's got a brand of faith that we need. Yeah. I want him to inject this thing into our spiritual system. To walk in the faith of our fathers. So I mean, I had just gone there. So when they knew I'm coming, they wrote to the office. They sent an email to Daphne. They said, now that bishop will be here, we'd like him to come and only greet the people like we did last year when we went. Come greet the people for, for 10 minutes. No, no problem. Ah, I, was, I, wasn't, I wasn't going to preach. I didn't even have a suit. So I'll greet. 10 minutes. So I prepared myself to greet and then, you know, we went to Cincinnati first where I was speaking there, uh, participating in the workshop and then the following week we went to uh, uh, Chicago with Bill Hybels and then as Muruti came home, now then I went to Los Angeles. So here I am in Los Angeles but before I went on Friday, on Thursday I get another email, a phone call actually. They said, no, we think 20, 10 minutes is too short. They said, can you speak for 20 minutes? I said, fine. Then on Friday, they phone again. They said, no, we think 20 minutes is short. I said, okay. Okay. Then they said, uh, can you preach? Will you be able to preach? I said, of course. No problem. The reason they were asking is because uh, Dr. Betty Price, the wife to uh, uh, Apostle Fred Price, she felt in her heart, that these are her words, I didn't know at that time. She felt in her heart that I must do the service that day. But because it is their son who's pastoring that church now, they have to follow protocol and ask his permission. So he was, the son was away on holiday. They were waiting for him to come back to ask. So when he came, they asked him and he agreed. So here I am on Sunday. I went to go and preach. Shabayaba. Hey, what a shock. Hey, what a shock. And here I am preaching. And I tell you, Basalana, 
You know why? Because when you are preaching in God's timing and when you are preaching through the open door, God will do far more for you. I always tell people, never try to promote yourself. Never try to push yourself into anything. Never try to get attention on yourself. God will open doors for you. And when God opens doors for you, because God has opened a door for you. Come on, somebody give the Lord a shout in this house. But you see, people just push on their own strength. Mobilize. Promote themselves. Lie, cheat, manipulate. Just to get a space. I was taught when I was Bible school that you must never promote yourself as a minister. If I go anywhere as a pastor, I'll never give anybody my business card. Never, I will never. I will never even tell them who I am. Why should I? Where should I? Where should I? Where should I? Maybe I must do a quiet song. Why should I? Why should I? Why should I? Why should I? Come on, somebody give the Lord a shout in the house. Now I want to rush quickly. So that word door is used to denote an occasion or an opportunity for doing anything. So it means to have entrance or access. God needs to open it for you. So there are different kinds of doors the Bible tells us about. And these doors God will open for you. Number one, the Bible in Acts 14, 27 says, and when they were come, and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith unto the Gentiles. So there's a door of faith where God opens a door for you to preach to Gentiles, people that you may not know, you may not be used to, but God opened the door. Yeah. Secondly, Hosea chapter 2, verse 15, I'm going to go fast. It says, I will give her her vineyards from thence and the valley of Acre for a of hope and she shall sing there as in the days of her youth as in the days when she came out out of the land of Egypt it's a door of hope what's a door of hope where God turns uh, turns your reproach around when God lifts you up and God restores to you your joy and your strength and God comes to you, note, I will give her the vineyards. You see, wine in the Bible, wine, the Bible talks about how wine is made for Mary. I didn't say you must go and drink it now. But wine designates happiness and joy and being merry. But wine also symbolizes the move and the flow of the spirit and the newness. You see, new wine is, is effervescent. It, is a, it, it keeps fermenting and it keeps releasing gases. Something that's effervescent. See, some of you, the way you are listening to me right now, I can see that you are just sitting there and I'm preaching a good message. Mara, you are just sitting there because I see God bringing the new wine in your life and being... You know, this is why I like it. When you, when you look at young people, you know why I like young people? Particularly when they become Christians, they don't have a dull moment. 
Yeah. When we sing, they come to the front and dance. When you preach, they say amen. When you make an announcement, you say dot, 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 and leave it at the go. Ah! But you know why, Bazalana? It's not just about emotions. It's about the fact that when you enjoy what you're listening to and you are happy to receive and you are filled with joy. Can I hear an amen in the house? You see, the sign of the move of God is that people are filled with joy. When you read in the book of Acts, it says, and Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he preached Christ to them. It says, and all the people listening to him, hearing and seeing the signs that he did and demons coming out of many and many were healed. And it says, and there was great joy in the city. Yeah. See, what characterizes a move of God is joy and gladness. It's not a made-up thing. You know, people say we are too noisy, but I can't help it. I have the joy of the Lord in my heart. God says, I'm going to open a door of hope. May God open a door of hope for some of you who have been sad in your life. You've been downtrodden. I see God taking off the spirit of heaviness. I see God putting on the comment of joy. If you're joyful, why don't you give the Lord a shout in this house? Listen. Joy is not emotions. Joy is a powerful thing. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. See, that's why we are strong. Because we are filled with joy. And it is not our joy. It is the joy of the Lord. God opens the door. The door of hope. I see the door of hope. I said the door of hope. The door of hope. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 12. It says, furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, a door was opened unto me of the Lord. A door of preaching the gospel. Oh. You know, I am so glad to see that there are nations that are open to the gospel. Some of you don't know. There are certain nations where preaching is not allowed. Yeah. And even when preaching is allowed, the people themselves are not open. There are some parts of the world it's not nice to preach to those people. At all. They just sit there. Look at you. You can almost hear your words bounce off them and come back to you. I'm telling you. There's, there's parts in the world where people sit in the service and they just analyze everything you say. Your homiletics, your polemics, your hermeneutics, huh? yeah. your Christo- Christology, they analyze that. Your eschatology, your dressiology, and your speakiology. Even if God is moving, I remember I had a, a very powerful story I, this was so powerful. I was told this story by, I think it was Reverend Mosinkla of Tiasa. I think it was him. Or uh, Brother Aaron Lianawako Tiasa. I think it was him. And they were telling me about this conference they were hosting in Europe. You know? I don't know where about in Europe. And, and there were a lot of delegates from that area, you know? And people there are analytical kind. You know, and they say they're not emotional. Until Arsenal plays with Manchester United. 
You know, I've never understood people, you know. No, I'm not emotional. I'm an analytical, non-emotional, collected, composed guy. Until they go to the football. And then they start singing, and it sounds like the wind is blowing. Oh. So this guy says he was preaching there, and he was really preaching. And, the, and they were just sitting there looking at him. And then, I would never try this, but this guy then started preaching, and then he used a swear word. Intentional, yeah. a no more. Yeah, that's how they acted, just like some of you who've not been doing anything. So they all got up and listened, and he just carried on preaching. So, so everybody's in a state of shock thinking. How can he? How can he? Oh, this guy was smart. And then after a while, he said, isn't it amazing how attentive all of a sudden you've become? I've been preaching all the time, speaking the word of God. You've been sitting there like you're mummified. It's up until I did something wrong. All of a sudden, you are attentive. He said, what kind of people you are? You are more alert to wrong things than to the power of God. Like some of you here. Oh, come on, somebody give the Lord a hand. Yeah. But you see, some people... Even when you preach, there's no open door of preaching there. The people's hearts are not ready. The way the word is received is not ready. And I've seen it as I travel around the world. People who are open to the gospel, the gospel works for them. I'm telling you. The problem is, when it comes to the things of God, you must be like a child. And some of you, you are too dignified for God. Yeah. You are too dignified for God. When you come to the... Jesus says the kingdom of God is for those who are like children. You know, children, small things please them. Small things please them. Children are filled with gratitude. Children will be joyful if you see children. They're always laughing and playing. That is under normal circumstances. Children don't walk. They run. Some of you, you just walk to church. You're not even enjoying coming to the church. You don't even... Look at somebody and say, the open door is open for you and I hope you are changing. See, this is why when things are starting and the church is starting, there's this, you know, there's the, you know, and, and, and because it's the hearts of the people. When it's new and fresh people, then you say, no, the church has changed. No, the church hasn't changed. Now I haven't changed. In fact, I've become better. But I'm looking at somebody who has changed out there, who's become quite old and anyhow. There's another door, Colossians 4.2. Paul says, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I'm an ambassador in bonds. So Paul ensured that he prays for an open door. He didn't take it for granted. He prays for an open door. Not only does he pray for it, he looks for it. And when he finds it, when he discovers it, when he locates it, he goes through that door. He prayed for opportunity, and when he sees opportunity, he takes opportunity. That's one thing I've learned, you know. I wish I knew this much earlier in my life as a Christian, particularly when it comes to ministry. I've let some opportunities pass me by because I didn't know what I know now. And you learn with time that certain opportunities never come back. Never come back. And I know for sure there are certain things in my life, when I bumped into them, my life changed. My life changed. Even the direction of things in my life moved in another way. See? I mean, for me, the most interesting one is when I started, you know, 
after I got filled with the Holy Spirit, going to Apostolic Faith Mission Bible College, meeting Pentecostal people. My life changed. I was born again, but you know, I, the things about the power of God and the move of God, I didn't know. So when I started seeing those things, I went there. And I may say right now, because I'm not sure if I'll say it later on, you need to learn when God opens the door, not to ask the opinion of your friends. Yeah. Now listen, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying don't ask for advice. That's not what I'm saying. But if that door, number one, is in line with God's word, it's in line with what we are praying for, it's in line with God's mission for your life and God's vision for your life, and it confirms everything God says, and it's not something that's out there. And your spirit can witness in your heart, this is an opportunity, this comes from God. Follow. Because I found, you see, the things that you see, others don't see. And then when I came from Rama, from uh, uh, Apostle Faith Mission, I went to Rama. I went to Rama to apply to become a student. Are you aware? If I didn't go to Rama, I was wondering, I wouldn't be a pastor here. Yes. Yes. I wouldn't be a pastor here. But the decision to enroll at Rama and become a student there in 1981, that's why I killed and then they offered me a job in the first year when I was at school at Rema. It wasn't a nice job. It wasn't a top of the ranch. It was the, one of the lowest jobs in the whole place. Just an okay, okay job, but it was the, you know, when I worked there, people never used to greet me. They didn't even know my name. Many people never, in fact, many people used to pass me. They would never greet me. Even if I used to take parcels from their offices and so on, they never knew my name. Many of the people there. Pastor Ray was always nice. And Pastor Linda was always been very nice. But some of the staff workers there, my goodness. So some of you, when they treat you like that, you resign. Wangala. Yeah, you see some of you, some of you, you are so delicate. You, you will walk out of opportunities that God gives you because you don't have what it takes to stick it out. Well, if, if you're going to clap, you better clap, or otherwise don't, don't clap at all. Don't give me a half-hearted clapping here. And then they offered me that. Then I started working there. Then I did the boxes. You know the story. And it was through the boxes that they asked me to come and assist in their church here. At Mavis Hall here in White City, Jabav. It was another door. It was another door. See, some of you, you want to move straight from school straight into being a CEO. That's what you want. And there are other smaller nyana doors that lead to the bigger doors. But you will not go through the smaller nyana door because you are so important. And even when they give you a smaller nyana opportunity to do a session in Cameroon, the last session, and they are telling you, please don't go over time. You only have 15 minutes. You don't become faithful with the 15 minutes. You don't deliver a sermon that's powerful. You think, but do they know who I am? Why must we know who you are? Some of you, you are trying to get to certain levels prematurely. All of us, we start as nobodies and God lifts us up and we are still nobodies. Yeah. So I started helping when I came to the church. I started helping. Helping with the chairs, cleaning, everything. When the other people wouldn't help, Bible college students, all they wanted is the pulpit. Now they didn't know. It was an opportunity to serve. 
I was called, but it wasn't time for me to preach. Because everybody that God's going to use, God's going to take you through a training school. And God's going to look at your attitude when you are serving under somebody. If all you want is to make yourself popular and to be number one and to use that as a stepping stone, God's not going to open any door for you. Yeah. I didn't know by serving, I wasn't even doing it for my pastor to say thank you. There was no need. I wasn't even doing it for my pastor to recognize. I was just doing it because I just wanted to do it. I was just doing it because. Because why? Because. Because, because. I just do it. Because it was in my heart to say, no, my pastor can't clean the floor. My pastor can't do the church. I must do that. He must go and pray. He must preach. So I clean the floor. I'd come and I'd start the prayer meeting in the morning before he comes. And then, then I'd come and check the sound and make sure everything's fine. And then I'd lead the music. When he comes, he'd preach and I'd interpret. I didn't know. I didn't know. At the end of that year, Kimo, he said, can, can, you, can you consider being a pastor of the church? I said, I'll, I'll pray. Now, I know some of you, you wouldn't say I'll pray about it. You would have said, I've, I've been waiting for this for a long time. What took you so long? What took you so long? Because I have a double-fold anointing that comes from South Africa via Mzanzi of Cameroon in Jerusalem of Salem in Namibia of Piri Soweto. But I said, now I'll pray about it. And I prayed and I started, I think about it. The one decision, one. It started with one. See, but that's the way life is. God opens all these doors. But if you don't have the spiritual insight, you will walk past them and then you will pray to God and say, but God, why are you not? And God is saying, what's up? God says, what, what, what are you? Yeah, but God, why? God says, well, I've been open. You've been passing all these doors. But because they're not significant doors, huh? because they don't have the glitz and the glamour on them, hmm? even when you felt in your heart you should go through it, you allowed your friends to talk you out of it. Yeah. I sit with people when God starts using them in churches, then they just run off elsewhere. Yeah, because they want to go be number one there, just run off. So sometimes don't understand. Sometimes going prematurely, it's a problem. Look at your neighbor and say, I see you are quiet now and I don't know why. I don't know why. Let me show you those who missed the doors. Number one, the disciples of Christ. Jesus took them to Samaria. And when Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman, his disciples decided to go and buy food. Instead of engaging comrades. <laughs> instead, of, instead, of, instead of engaging with the people. They said go back. Because they had issues. Jesus said with the woman, talk to the woman. The woman turns around, runs into the city, calls people, say, come see a man. When he comes back, when she comes back so happy, then the disciples only come back from buying food. Go and read it in John 4. They offer Jesus food. Jesus is so angry with them. He says, just keep your food. Don't want it. He says, I have food to eat. My food is to do the will of him that sent me. Then he says this in, 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 verse, in verse 35. 
He says, don't you say, can I have it in the New American Standard Bible? This one is some, somehow how. New American Standard Bible, please. Do you not say that there are four months and then comes the harvest? In other words, Jesus said, you, 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 you can read the signs of natural things. You can see when the, when the harvest coming naturally. He says, behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look. Look on the fields that they are white for harvest. Now, if, if you are carnal minded, you will go and look at the, at the fields there, uh, you know, and, and think Jesus, Jesus just transitioned from speaking about something natural to spiritual. He says, he says this is what he's saying. He's saying, he's saying you, you, you're going away to buy food. And yet, these Samaritans that you don't want to associate with, they are ready for harvest. Because look what happened, Bazalan. When that woman was touched by the ministry of Christ. When she was touched, that woman, when she was touched by the ministry of Christ, she ran into the city and called the whole city. Now I don't know entire cities that go to a church conference, that go to a service when someone is calling them. And to think this woman was very dodgy, according to them. It's not a woman they liked. The way she lived in Nabanka Labanna. I mean, really. But I think when they saw the impact, even the men who used to abuse her followed her. The whole city. So when Jesus was talking to this woman, he already knew how ready Samaria was. But the disciples couldn't see that because they had issues with Samaritans. So here it goes, Bazalan. When you have prejudice, you'll miss the open door. Prejudice is the worst thing ever. And we become prejudiced against people. So even if there's a door, you will not ever be able to see what God wants to do. I won't, I won't stay on that longer because I want to close. Number two. The second thing is, when people don't know the time of their visitation. You know, Jesus, one of the most painful prayers he prayed is in Luke chapter, uh, chapter 19. In verse 41, it says in the King James, when he looked over, when he came near, he beheld the city. This is Jerusalem. And he wept over it. Think about it, Barcelona. Jesus was assigned to his own people. You remember when he sent out the disciples, he says, go not by the way of the Gentile, but go thou to the lost ship of Israel, for therefore have I been sent. So the ministry of Christ when he was on earth, he was sent specifically to his own people. But they had issues. They had issues. So he came to them. So, so, this is almost towards the end of his ministry. He had tried for almost three and a half years to minister to his people, and they never received him. They tried to stone him. They tried to throw him off the cliff. They would be in meetings to, to challenge him. And you know, that's what we did, Pastor. God sends us people, and we, we, we give them a hard time. A hard time. And God sends somebody. And, and because maybe they didn't come the way we were expecting. So, so Jesus is really feeling the pain because, you know, when you are a true servant of God, you feel the pain of people rejecting the word of God. To you, it's not about them rejecting you. 
No, 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 no. Doesn't matter if people reject you, it's not. But you feel sorry for them because they are rejecting something that will turn their lives around. This is the same pain that some of us feel when we try to talk to some church member to advise them, don't do this, live this way, do this. And then they become angry. And then they go tell everybody. And then you wonder, Mara, what is wrong? When they live right, it doesn't help me in any way. I mean, listen, Basala, if you live right, it doesn't benefit me. It doesn't. Benefit me, it doesn't. No, it doesn't, no. What benefits me is what I do for me. So how is it going to be? It's not, it's not good. So if, if I challenge you about something, it's not because I don't like you. Because we have your interest at heart. Jesus wept over the city. Ask your neighbor, why are you not saying amen? Jesus beheld the city. It says, and he wept over it. Note, verse 44. He says, you shall lay even the ground. Okay, let's go to the message Bible from verse 41 and show you what Jesus said in the message Bible. Verse 41, all the way to 44. When the city came into view, he wept over it. Keep going. And Jesus says, he's crying. He says, if you had only recognized this day and everything that was good for you, but now it's too late. You missed the door? Next verse. He says, in the days ahead, your enemies are going to bring up their heavy artillery and surround you, pressing in from every side. Verse 44. They'll smash you and your babies on the pavement. Not one stone will be left intact. All this because you didn't recognize and welcome God's personal visit. And the King James says, you didn't know the time of your visitation. And you know, when, when, the, when God is visiting us by his spirit, we need to be responsive. As we sit in church here, God is working. God is moving. But it's easy to miss it by not recognizing it. Number three. People missed it. Remember the thief on the cross. Can you imagine? Jesus is crucified. And on one side and the other side of him there are thieves. Look at Matthew 27, 38. Aye, that's what you're now. Hmm. There were there two thieves crucified with him. One on the right hand and the other one on the left. Now go to Luke 23. Now watch this, Basalan. When, when Jesus was crucified, if you read the preceding verses, it said the chief priests and the scribes and the people were mocking him. They spit on him. They put a crown on his head. And they... They, they, they taunted him. You saved others. Save yourself. Yeah. You know, cover his eyes, slap him and say, take the cover off and say, if you're a prophet, tell us who is it who slept you. They mocked him. So they put him on the cross and said, if you have the power, call those angels. To take you from the cross. They were mocking. So yes, two thieves. Jesus has been mocked. The one on the left, the one on the right. And then note, one of the criminals who was hanged there also was hailing abuse at him. Saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. So what this guy is doing, he is going with popular opinion. 
So you'll miss the door. If wena utota malentota shwashu, I'm telling you, you're gonna miss the door. And you know what I found out was there's a lot of things that are said in church circles, a lot of politicking, a lot of discussions, a lot of things that are said. And I'm being honest with you, I've been a pastor for many years. I found out a lot of those things that are said are not true at all. And you join yourself to them and you start talking about them, you start involving with them, you're going to walk right past an open door. You can join the circles of people who are criticizing their local church, criticizing their pastor, and even if you used to receive the blessing, you used to receive the anointing, that next Sunday when you come after that meeting, you realize that even if he's been preaching, you're just sitting there, and you see all the things they were pointing out, yeah, 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 guchuguti. I'm telling you, Basalan, popular opinion, I've realized, you know, sometimes there's so many things said about pastors. There's people that I relate with today, and I heard stories about them. One thing I, I made up my mind years ago as a pastor is I'm not going to get involved in church politics. And my ears are not available to listen to that, and my mouth is not available to talk about those things. I don't want church politics. Church politics are horrible. And there's a lot of politics. Some of you live on Dab. You know every scandal in the church, every scandal. You are a shwashwi walking on two feet. Every scandal. And I'm telling you, that's going to cause you to miss what God's doing. I'm telling you. Now, I know you can look at me like that and, 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 and say, ah, yeah, we'll talk 10 years from now. I will debrief you 10 years from now. Your life will be stuck. You'll be there in one place and you will never be able to figure it out while you're not moving on. I was telling them that, you know, there's a newspaper that spread a very bad rumor about one of our pastors. And just to let you know, it's many years ago. So you don't know who I'm talking about. And that pastor is not here. They are not even here. So just in case, I know some of you, once I say that, your mind is already trying to check. You're trying to work it out already. You're not even listening. You're trying to, uh, no. Yeah, maybe, maybe, no, 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 no. So please, just don't mind. I'm just telling you the story. People colluded to bring this pastor down colluded hey. and then they got a young 16 year old girl to go and lay a charge of rape yeah you know I, I, and I understand the justice system and I know people who have been raped it's a terrible thing and it's very sad the way men abuse women sometimes and I agree to all that I agree to all that my pain is when people have been lied about and don't act like you don't know don't act like you don't know I've tried to help a few guys who they hadn't done anything. And it was known. Whole thing was cooked up. So it was with this person. I remember them phoning me. He said, the police are here in my office. They've come to arrest me. I said, for what? They say I've raped a so-and-so. Oh, Ganjan. I have never felt so angry in my life. If I had it my way, I would have flown to that office. Unfortunately, it wasn't within reach. In a short space. I would have handled those police myself. I would I'd rather, no, I'm being honest. I was going to go to jail for that man. No, 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 never. Never, never, never. Not that, Bazan. That was the most traumatic thing. But what was worse was when the newspaper wrote the story and never verified the facts and put it on their website for years. To think that after this thing happened, when the case was reported, thank God there was a senior 
leader there, a colonel or something, who was in charge of that unit. So when he looked at the statement, there were so many contradictions. So many contradictions. And when he checked, he realized there's no way that could have happened. There's no way. Do I think I go apart? Finally, the girl confesses, no, it's not true. It never happened. Yeah. True story. Just true story. True story. True story. But you know, it, it ruined that person's life. I walked with that person for years. I cried with them. Reputation gone. You Google their name, it's up there. It won't be there now. So in case, I know some of you already have put your cell phones on, you're Googling. You're, you're too late. Too late. And I'm thinking there are many people who believe that lie. Never checked. Yeah. I remember the one time there was this young man who rose up in the service. Same place, same situation. I'm here speaking to the people. I'm sitting there, I'm trying to preach. I said, young man, please, would you please just, we're trying to deal with something. He said, no, you won't tell me anything. People must know the truth. And I said, young man, this is a church, you can't come here, don't even tell me anything. Wow. I didn't know, I was asking this leader the other day, where's that young man? He said, how, Bishop Outsif, he passed on a few years ago. God doesn't play with those kind of things. Masalan, you know what? You want to save your life? Stay away. Stay away. You know, I tell you, there's no minister I haven't heard bad news about. Not a single one. And then when you get close to people, you find out it's stories that people have cooked up. And people are good at cooking up stories. Very creative. And the thief on the cross, he's being he's next to Christ. He, his life is being snuffed out. He has an opportunity, thief, to miss hell and go to heaven. Mara, he is shoshurized. How many of you are sitting next to somebody who's shoshurized? <laughs> know the next verse. Next verse says, but the other criminal answered and, and rebuked him and said, do you not even fear God since you're under the same sentence of condemnation? Some of you are afraid to challenge those people who are lying because you like, we want to be liked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You want to be with the group because, you know, there are people that if you don't do what they do, they ostracize you. Yeah, yeah. But it's okay. One open door from God. That's all you need, just one. Next verse, verse 41. Then he says, we indeed are suffering justly. We are receiving what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. He has an open door. He has an opportunity. Next verse. Then he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Few minutes from hell. Few minutes from death. He has an open door. Instead of going with popular opinion, I'm going to go through this open door. Lord, remember me. There are times when you have to forget what people are saying. 
You can see the open door. God is making you aware. That's the door. Next verse. And Jesus said to him, truly I say unto you, today you will be with me in paradise. The day I get to heaven, I want to see this guy. How about you? I want to see this guy. Few minutes before hell. Few minutes. Few minutes. Watch this. Two people, same opportunity. Same opportunity. Nothing different. Everything the same. See, that's what makes the difference in life. There are those who go through the door. There are those who walk past the door. Which one will you be? Which one will you be? Paul says, I see God. He has opened a door. I'm changing all my plans. I'm changing my plans. I'm rerouting. I'm, I'm re- I am going this way because there's this door. It's not just a door. It's a great door. It's not just a great door. It's an effective door. It's a powerful door. If I go through this door, my life will never be the same again. I see your life changing as you go through the different doors. Who knows during word explosion, as the word is being preached from Thursday night, God will open one door. Who knows Friday morning, God will open another door. Who knows Friday afternoon, God will open another door. Saturday morning, another door. Sunday morning, another door. I see you going through the door in Jesus' name. Jesus. Another reason people pass doors is not only subscribing to popular opinion, but it's what I call familiarity. When you box God and expect God to do things in a certain way. Yeah. Naaman almost missed it. When he called for the prophet to pray for him. Because he heard there's a man of God in Israel. He can pray for you to be healed. So Naaman says, take me to him. And when he gets there, he sends a message to the man of God. And the man of God, instead of coming out to meet him, that's what Naaman was expecting. Yeah. See, sometimes you see, it's not that God's not answering us. No, 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 no. But he is coming to us in a way we're not expecting. So we don't see. We don't say because we already have fixed it in our minds. We don't know. This is what we, and God doesn't do that. And that's what God doesn't do that. So when, when, they, when the servant comes, Naaman is angry says, what is he talking about? Number one, he doesn't come to see me. Number two, he sends me to these filthy rivers of theirs. When I have even better rivers where I come from, to go dip myself, not even one, seven times. What is he talking about? Almost missed it. Almost missed it. Almost missed it. See, sometimes people say, no, I was expecting him to do this. No, it's not going to. God doesn't do that. Look at in the book of John. Here's Mary. Had related with Jesus for years. Loved Jesus so much. He hears that Jesus has died, so she goes to the tomb to go and weep there. She gets there on Sunday morning. Note. John 20 verse 15. Can I have it in the NIV, please? I mean, in the New American Standard Bible, sorry. New American Standard Bible. So yes, Mary, she's standing next to, in the graveyard there, looking for Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? 
Note what it says. Supposing him to be the gardener. So, so, so when she opened her eyes through her teary eyes, maybe some mascara rolling down. <laughs> when she looked at Jesus, she thought, oh, this is the guy who works in the garden. So her level of expectancy is very low. So she came expecting Jesus to meet Jesus in a certain way. Maybe she thought when she comes to the tomb, Jesus will come out. Or maybe if he's really risen from the dead, there must be an angel that's accompanying him. He wasn't expecting to meet a guy in jail. Have you ever gone to somebody's house and, and, and then you came and there was somebody doing the garden, the gardener, and you were coming to look for the owner of the house or somebody you knew, and then you walked right past the gardener, went into the house, actually didn't even greet them. Because he's a garden boy. And you walk right through into the house and, 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 and you were coming to see this very important man that you saw, Rivera. I'm here to see Mr. So-and-so, please. And they said, no, Mr. So-and-so is outside. Outside? No, then Mr. So-and-so is not outside. I just came in. I only found a garden boy. And the person was talking to you, God, God, it. So they said, no, wait here. I'll go and get Mr. So-and-so for you. And then here they come. And your eyes are getting so big as the garden boy is getting closer. And the garden boy extends his hands towards you and says, I hear that you're looking for me. You don't know what to say. I, I was joking. You are not the garden boy. You are Mr. So-and-so that I admire. But because he came a different way. So many times people miss God working. Because he just came a different way. I tell him people, I learned my church growth now on the African continent. My biggest inspiration in the African continent. Going to Cameroon, going to Ghana, going to Zimbabwe, Zambia, traveling to Swaziland. Uh, that's where I learned about church growth. That's where I learned, you know. So, so now my church growth didn't come through. It just came another way. In places where things are hard, some of them the economy is not so great. Some places you go to, the church is not that well organized. Things are really tough. But there was something in the people. I was praying, God, can I, can I have what they have? Some nations of the world, when I went to bed at night, I remember when I was in Malawi. I'll never forget to my friend Stephen Buana, and then he took me on a drive. We were going to another area. I need to remind myself the place of this area. It was far. We drove for five hours. Most of the place was arid. Nothing. No vegetation. Nothing. Hot sun. I think it must have been 35 or 40 degrees. Hot. Very hot. We drove in a patch of 504. Drove. Dusty place. Finally got to this place. He said it was one of his branches, his churches. So then, the, then, the, then I see a man coming out. It's his pastor wearing winter pajamas. The poverty in the place. He, I looked around, but there was no tree, no vegetation, nothing. The whole place is just white. Desert. Looked at the house of the pastor. Hey, that day. He said, This is my pastor. 
I had a suitcase full of clothes at the house. I was going to be leaving the following day. So I said, how do these people live? He said, no, they live. Where's the church? He has a church in his house. Committed. True. He was not paid, this pastor. No salary. My. Pastor Lana, the whole way when we were driving back, this thing, you know, I realized how spoiled I was. I realized how I, I didn't know how to, to give my life to God to serve him. I realized how I, I, how I complained. I was so quick to complain and to be offended. And I remember when I got to the house, I was trying to pack my clothes. I said, there's no way. I can't, I can't go back to South Africa. With it. There's no way. That's never. These people need this more than I do. I just didn't even take anything. Just took my passport and everything, took the whole suitcase. And I said, you know what, Pastor? Please hear. Give it to your pastor there. Give it to him. And I realized, I realized I complain when I have bread and I don't have peanut butter. Complain. And complain when when I come to church and the chairs are full and I can't find my favorite chair. I complain. I, I complain even when things are okay. I want my rights. Why are they not thinking about me? That's the day I made the biggest decision to give my all to God. Never ask for anything. Never. Give my all. Because there's people in this world. You see, Wazalan, I learned that in Africa, not in America. Then I understood why the people there are having the miracles they're having. I understood why they have such powerful anointings. They have been brewed in harsh and difficult and challenging conditions and they don't complain. But over here, we are spoiled for choice. People can choose not to come to church because they will watch somebody's DVD, their favorite trainer. They'll watch the DVD or they'll tune in from home. Spoiled for choice. So the quality of our anointing, little. No hunger, no desire for God. And I want to challenge you, Basil. God wants to do something new in your life. And God will open doors that you... See, going to Africa for me, going to our continent for me, taught me how to be a minister. Because yeah. I, I had to... There's a place I went to. I mean, like that place I think about. People are so poor that there are certain messages they'll never work there when you preach them. Then I ask myself a question. What brand of gospel am I preaching that can only be preached in places that are socioeconomically up there? So this gospel that only talks about money, you're going to get money, you're going to get money. You preach to people who, who don't even have clothes. What are you going to say? What are you going to say to them? Thousandfold return. What are you going to say? I had to, I had to revise I had to revise my theology because Jesus is going to all the world. I realized I had crafted a type of gospel that was born in plenty. A kind of gospel that talked to my comfort. Spoiled me to have nicer toys. When the core of the gospel is about people knowing Christ as Savior. 
The core of the gospel is about love and compassion and serving God. The core of the gospel is about being filled with the Holy Ghost. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost even if you don't have shoes to wear. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost. I ask myself, what brand of gospel, Musa Sono, are you preaching? Land it in places that you, 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 when you see them, you, you won't think anything will come out of it. Yeah. I'm challenging you, Bazalan. Some of you. I wish God can grant you the opportunity to go to other parts of the world and learn. I'm so happy. We have six young people in Ghana right now. Bible school. Bishop was so gracious to let us send our young people there. We sent six of them. I went to see them. So happy. So happy. I was, I was with them. There they are. Oh! Oh! The one on the right, the second one from the right, has been there the longest. Kimabat. She's been there in Ghana at the school, and uh, she's going to be finishing sometime next year. And uh, she's been there for so long that she's starting to talk Ghanaian. I heard her, when I was talking here, she looked at me and said, yes, please. I said, wow. <laughs> but see, they're learning. And I was talking to them, and I was saying to them, you're learning. We must take people outside to go and see. There's a lot we can learn out there. But you see, in South Africa, we, we look down upon other people. We think we can't learn from them. We ask the question, can anything good come out of? And God will give us open doors where we can learn, but we will not go through that door because we're waiting for some bling bling somebody from America. Yeah. Come tell us here about thousandfold, multiplied float, water float, money, whatever, money cometh, jets. You're going to fly everywhere, even if you don't have an international anything. You're going to fly from here to Zola. You know, I, I, I'm just thinking, but why do I need a plane? I don't need a plane to fly from here to Zola. So some of you, you are believing God for a Maserati, for a Lamborghini, you know, and all those kinds of things, and not understanding things are for a purpose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah to serve God. They're not to be toys. It's not, God doesn't give you prosperity for toys. He gives you it to establish his kingdom. Give the Lord a hand. I wish I had the whole day with you, but I don't have the whole day. Give the Lord a big hand. Yeah. Come on, if you're going to give the Lord a hand, you better give him a better hand than that. You're not giving it for me. I don't want any word for me. Give it to the Lord. Yeah. Let's stand, everybody, please. Let's stand on our feet. Paul says there's a door open. It's an effectual door. It's an effective door. God's giving you opportunity all around. May you have the eye to see. May you have the courage to do what you haven't done before. May you have the spirit of faith. To take the step. May you be so decisive. Raise your hands to the Lord. Jesus. 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 Just pray in the Spirit. Give you my heart. 
about you but I just sense the Holy Spirit in this house all over the place Lord have your way in me I give you my heart I give you my soul I live for from our way what way is God just look at you I'm sorry 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 Jesus sorry. 
Don't be afraid to pray and cry before the Lord today. Just lift up your voice and pray. God is working on our hearts. Your word is sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces asunder between soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It's all about you. All about you. 